and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, the author and host of the Rose Garden Report newsletter and the podcast. You can get the newsletter on rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. The podcast you can get on YouTube. Make sure you go subscribe on YouTube. Even if you are not watching on YouTube, subscribing still helps me. You can get the podcast on the Odyssey app because we are part of the Odyssey family. And then you can also get us on Apple, Spotify, all the usual platforms, wherever you get podcasts, make sure you go subscribe there. Uh, got Eric Gunderson back on. You guys know what it is by now. This is the two of us just kind of vibing. And, you know, we talk about the All-Star break. We talk about the All-Star game, which I was in Salt Lake City for. So we talk about kind of my experience being there, you know, being in the building for some of that stuff. We talk about some of the issues with the events and with the game not being competitive and the dunk contest and some of that other stuff. And then we get into some talk about kind of what to expect from the Blazers the rest of the way. They have 24 games left this season. And we, you know, we just, we just, we just kind of get into, you know, what to expect from the injuries, what to expect from the rest of the schedule, what we feel like their chances are of kind of staying in the play in mix and staying in the playoffs and, all of that, it's it's a it's a good episode to come back off of the break for. So uh, get ready for that now. Eric, I was in the building. I was on the ground in Salt Lake. I'm assuming you watch most of it on TV. I'm interested in what you kind of thought just watching it from from home because there's been a lot of shall we say discourse about it. Yeah. Uh, so you were there Saturday night and Sunday night, right? Yes, I did not. I did not go to Rising Stars. I went, had dinner with some folks instead because when Shaden wasn't invited to Rising Stars, I was like, okay, I have no reason to be at this. I think as well, definitely for you covering the Blazers, of course, there was no reason for you to, you know, uh, go see Shaden or not see Shaden because Shaden wasn't there. Right. I honestly thought the Rising Stars was the best event of the entire weekend. Like it was. It was semi-competitive. Uh, like guys have a little bit more impetus to kind of show their stuff. Like I thought, uh, Pau Gasol picked a great team, Blazers legend, Pau Gasol. Mm-hmm. Um, Jose Alvarado, like that's a guy you don't have to worry about not trying hard at an exhibition game. Exactly. That guy is going hard all the time. Right, which was like, I. I love that. It was my favorite part of the weekend, to be honest with you. Like I did, and and, and Dame winning the three point shootout. I mean, yeah, we'll get yes. to that. Yeah, but but the yeah the Rising Stars game was the most entertaining game, and I think the game itself is it to me was the worst one I've ever seen. <laughs> like like so like so bad. It was so bad, and like a couple years ago, like or even a year ago. 
you know, you could convince yourself, all right, hey, these guys are, you know, they're trying. They're, they're, they're the year, the 2020 year, right after Kobe passed away, mm-hmm. like that was a really great game. There was they a made the intensity. they made the whole point about like the reason that they had the Elam ending target score be 24 was for Kobe. So like I think guys were like inspired by that. But then there was a, there's there, there was this idea after that. Well, like just because they have the Elam ending now, guys are gonna try the whole game, and it's like, no, that just means there's not there's gonna be a game ending shot. That's basically the only thing that it means at this point. Yeah, which it's cool that it ends on a game. Like it's better, I think, for the product, I guess. But at the same time, like it does feel like the, they've lost the plot a little bit in terms of like while the All Star Draft was entertaining the execution of it on TV was horrible. I don't know if you heard from people online, but the sound was messed up. Oh, I saw some tweets about that. You could hear Chuck and Chuck and Chuck and Kenny all making jokes and over the top of Ernie doing the draft show with Giannis and LeBron. So just from an execution standpoint, they botched it. And then the game itself was weak and uh weaker than normal and i mean all-star weekend is not about what it portends to be about or what it used to be about which was like a showcase for the nba to show their you know best players like what it is now is a big brand exercise for all of the different brand partners that the nba has like kia and sprite or whatever starry or whatever the hell they've got now and that's and and having those like parties and whatnot and appearances and guys get paid for the appearances like they're getting more money just showing up to a party late at night than they will if they win the all-star game and it's 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 just a product of where the league like the league has gotten so big and all these partners want a piece of all these guys like i get the argument that they're tired and they're they don't really want to do the game anymore but like it does seem like that's at the cost of the people who want to watch the game on tv and obviously at the cost of the ratings which like i'm not really a big ratings guy but a 29 or 27 percent change from last year to this year is like that's a very stark that's a very stark difference. Like that does say something like, and it just, I don't know. It's, it's, how was it being in the building? I mean, what, what did it feel like there? Cause on TV, I, I was bored. It was a pretty sleepy weekend, honestly, as far as being at the events, maybe the rising stars was like the most lively crowd of all time. And I just didn't see it, but it's the Saturday night, like, Obviously, and I, I, I will, I will take the mea culpa on this. You and I both felt like inviting Mac McClung to the All Star to the dunk contest was a gimmick, and it was just like trying too Definitely. hard to chase two years ago Instagram clout. But he showed up. That was one of the best dunk contests I've seen in a long time. He did show up. He had great dunks, uh, and he executed them well. I, I he executed you know, them all in the first try too, which is like which a is- huge thing. Right. And like, like Kenny and Martin Jr.'s dunk, his first dunk was good, but he missed the first two tries. So it's like, once that happens, you're, you're done. Like, and he also my, did the, he also did the, uh, the, the dunk where he had like the 3d printed ball that was involving like AT&T, like 5g technology or whatever. That's like, 
this year's it was an okay that dunk, was this but like, year's jalen green dunk nft chain. And, uh, the nft chain dunk <laughs> where just... it had the nba top shot like chain oh my god yeah that's that's <laughs> that, what, was, that was this year's version that was maybe the the, the the nft chain was maybe the worst thing i've ever seen in a dunk contest uh but it just feels like there's so much i'll i'll say this i i agree with you i think i think the thing that was annoying about the all-star draft was that they did the reserves before they did the starters, so you don't actually get to talk about, like, which guy was picked last. It was cool that Dame was the number one overall pick by Team Giannis, but, like, you would rather have, like... I mean, who who was the last guy that got picked among the reserves? Jaron Jackson? Like, let Jaron Jackson, like, be offended that he got picked last and like go off in the game like that's how that should yeah, go or go or go joke go harder for depoy and and go harder yeah. for the grizzlies so yeah. that the grizzly you know grizzlies the grizzlies are a know, team that talks a lot and i think they would take that as a slight if he gets picked last in the all-star draft. totally like I, i'm wondering where the smoke is from the grizzlies right now like <laughs> le, 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 like and, and that was something i felt like i don't know just it felt like the only smoke that there was in this game was Jalen Brown versus Jason Tatum taking each other for a couple possessions. Like that was the only like competitive basketball that there was the entire game. And it was just a bummer. Like I love the all-star game. I love all-star weekend. It's like one of my favorite things and, or at least it used to be. And it's just like, it feels like a, the players like, actively don't care and don't give a shit and it's it is kind of a just an overall issue of like it ties into like guys sitting games and the regular season doesn't matter and 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 basically like there's these two different seasons and two different sports and uh i do think also maybe like rings culture is also a little bit to blame of for like guys not giving a shit about the all-star game anymore because it's like well, I'm not going to try hard because it doesn't matter and it doesn't... He won all-star MVP, but how many rings does he have? Exactly, dude. And it's like that whole like rings culture discussion like ruins shit like the all-star game because it's like not every every NBA thing is has to end in an NBA championship. And the reality is, is that most teams don't win it. Most teams, like, like it's it's hard. It's, it's, it's the most like stratified championship that there is in professional sports. And the all-star game was one of those things where it was just fun. And like, that's gone now. It's, it's, it's like, there's no room for fun anymore. It's all about like, what is getting social media engagement and what is getting me a ring. And those are the only two things that the NBA or the players have been taught to can't give a shit about because like you're saying someone wins the all-star mvp let's let's say dame wins the all-star mvp or even jason tatum jason tatum won the mvp everyone's like well couldn't do it against steph you know and, and that's and that's the discussion and it's like it's stupid the whole thing was just i mean yeah first of all yes the they sent out, of course, like after any of these big events, whether it's All-Star or the finals or the draft or whatever the case may be, whenever there's one of these big events, uh, there will always be like the PR email that comes out that was like, the NBA set a new record for most social media engagements across the entire weekend. And it's oh like, God. that's... Impressions, bro, are the biggest 
Look, I, I, my other life, I, I, I'm aware of marketing jargon and marketing, like digital marketing stuff. I don't know what the fucking impression is. What, what, what is that? What that, is? You know what that is, literally means? That, it literally no, means no, how no. many people see your tweet. I, and, and I am pulling do, this and up. Just do this, and just do this. They're not clicking yeah, on shit. Yeah, that's how They're many people saw any... it. That's yeah. That's yeah, how many great. people saw it. It's cool. it's one of those things that they just like throw out there and by the way so uh saturday night uh before the saturday night events adam silver did his press conference and every single thing that he was asked about he was asked about load management he was asked about players requesting trades and whether that's like detrimental to you know fans being invested he was asked about the current state of the rsn business with diamond sports basically yeah. about to go under Every single thing like that that he was asked about it was, yeah, you know, everything's fine. We're not really worried about it. Like, we don't think this is an issue. I mean, okay. I mean... And it, it, what he said was that they, you know, that they, he pointed to, like, our they're making record-setting amounts of money. So it's like, I think they just feel like, you know, we're making so much money that, like, we don't have to change anything. But it's like, even if you're making money right now, like, long-term... So, like, like I'll, I'll show you this. Like, did you, did you see the... Uh, the press release that they sent out on friday morning where because that i guess this happened at the tech summit which i wasn't able to get into i've wanted to go and get into that for years i wasn't able to but adam silver unveiled the future of the nba streaming experience which is where now you can, you can be Taylor Horton Tucker and dunk can, on someone. You can insert. It was like you can like insert yourself in the future versions of the NBA app. You can insert a digital avatar of yourself into an NBA game that you're watching. And I'm just like, who is this for? Like, who wants this? Who was who was asking for this? I I don't know. Like, look on a base level, it's kind of cool, but I would like. How better, much money do you think they spent a, on developing that when they could spend it just making League Pass work? Yeah, making League Pass work, uh, having multiple – like, they have some, like, things where they have, like, multiple streams on the NBA. But, like, they're not good at it. And I – yeah, I don't I, – you can't watch League Pass. It's like it, – it, it, so many people complain about it all the time. They can't watch the games. Uh, blackout rules still – getting in the way of fans in their markets, being able to watch their teams. There are so many other issues that are just like, there's no, it, that people just to get people to watch the damn games. And it's, it, it's, it's yeah, the, the, it was a cool thing. And it was like, I just saw avatar too. And I was like, Oh, this is, you can put yourself in an avatar. Great. But like, at a certain point, that's going to get boring, right? Like, at a certain point, like, you're going to get bored watching old highlights of yourself. And then what are you going to do? Post them on, like, YouTube or your Instagram tic- reels and people are going to be like, or something. Cool. cool, sick. What? What is, then what? Then what? Like, to me, like, yeah, I agree with you. Like, it's it was a cool thing. But, like, how much money did they spend on that that they could have spent improving the NBA app? improving nba.com uh trying to work out something to get you know fans in markets being able to watch their own games like uh i mean it seems like the mls you know with their new tv deal they're getting rid of blackouts effectively you know with this apple tv thing uh the 
you know, NFL football, like everything is available on local television. There's like no such thing as blackouts. If you have like an antenna, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like it's just, it's just harder and harder to like watch actual games. And to me, that's a big issue. And it's cool that they can access like highlights and stuff like that on social media and YouTube. But when you have a moment like the all-star game and people don't give a shit, like that's bad. Like that's one of the moments where you got, you're supposed to be like watching live. You're, you want to see the guys, you know, goofing off and, and all that stuff. And it's just like, and, 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 and playing hard though. And being like getting like that 2k thing where it's like, what if this guy played with that guy? And it's like, you just lose all of those things. And, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I don't know how to fix it. I know some, some people are saying like, go back to East versus West. See, I thought the draft thing was cool, but I mean, here's the thing. The whole night was just so long because like you had the draft, which took probably 30 or 45 minutes. And then they had the pre-game performance by Post Malone, which like, I don't want to get off onto a whole thing about that, but that, That is a that that is an artist whose appeal I just do not get on any level. Like I just I don't I don't get it. And the other part about that performance, and we're gonna do music corner real quick. The uh, halftime performance that was yeah, how was that live? Awesome. That was uh, Burna Boy, Tams, and I forget the name of the other artist, but it was three like hip hop or like R and B artists. They were all, they all kind of were different different African countries, so that was kind of the theme of it. It's not music that I was familiar with, but I really enjoyed it. It was a cool visual performance. The music was pretty good, and the thing about it, as compared to the Post Malone performance, was they had a live band on stage playing with all the artists. Real the vo- instruments. Real instruments. The vocals weren't perfect. You could tell that it was live. The Post Malone thing was literally just him, like, up there. Like, he was on stage, but, like, you could tell that it was, like, a pre-recorded track that was... Co- like, it was It was just... I don't know. Like, I... One of my most boomer, like, opinions that I have is, like, for a live performance... Like, I just saw The Roots last night at the Crystal, and it was, like one of the best performances I've seen in a while, but like you, you kind of know what that is with Mm -hmm. a band like that. But I just have very little tolerance for like somebody up there performing live and it's a track or like, it's it's like a pre-recorded thing. It's like, you can just tell the energy is different. And like, cause like I said, like, I like the, the performance at halftime, the vocals were not perfect. They missed some notes, but it's like, I'd rather have them it not be perfect. And you can tell they're actually up there performing live and putting in the work. Like I don't need to well, just I basically. Real, I, I think the real thing is post Malone has a lot of after post-production shit that makes his voice sound the way it does on records. And he can't do it live. Right. That's, but that's, that's, that, that's probably the reason right, why. But like, but like the vocals, but the vocals sounded, but it's not like, I mean, you can put like auto tune effects on a microphone and still be True. singing live. He was literally, they literally were just playing the track of like the studio versions of his song. And he was just like up there. And like, there were times where like his, his, his face wasn't even near the microphone and like the vocal was coming out. Like they weren't even trying to make that into like, and like, and like, I get it that like, you know, there's like a small production time to set up, but like the halftime show was live. They, the halftime show didn't have like pre-recorded tracks on the whole thing. So, yeah. but it's like, but it's like the post Malone thing. It's like, I don't need, you know, they already had like a 45 minute draft. I don't need another 15 minutes of a guy up there on stage, not actually performing live to a track. And like that, there's that. And then the game happens, and then that halftime, they have the performance, which is really good. 
And then they killed the vibe instantly. With the tribute. Carl, with the tribute. That's, Carl, yeah, that's the, the thing. With the, the Carl, tribute to Carl Malone. The Carl Malone, I mean, we that that's a whole other thing. I don't know how much I feel like getting into the whole idea that Carl Malone was as prominent as he was with in All-Star Weekend. Like, I... Yeah, so, like, the, then, like, the ceremony just, like, dragged out, and then, like, the actual, like, I, I'll be honest, like, at halftime of the game, after the performance, I just kind of went back into the media workroom and didn't even really, like, pay that much attention to the rest of the game. I saw, like, they had it on in the monitors, and, like, Dame was, you know, going off a little bit in the second half, and, uh... All the best stuff that comes out of All-Star Weekend now mm-hmm. is the behind-the-scenes content... Uh-huh. From in the locker room, yeah, and like around, but like that was like the old, like 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 Giannis saying in the locker room, like Dame is gonna win the game for us, like he's gonna make the game winning shot, like that was cool, and like there was cool stuff about it, but ultimately it was not cool, and it was not that fun, and I was glad the dunk contest was entertaining, but. Even I was, said, even then, like, even, I, even wish, then, Matt I wish... Even was the only dude that brought it. All the other... I thought guys, Trey Murphy was pretty good. Yeah, that Trey Murphy dunk where he tossed it to himself and didn't do a bounce and caught it midair and did the did the windmill, that was cool. Um, I, I just will... wish I could have seen what... Sh- like, what, what would Shaden Sharp have had for Mac McClung? Yeah, I know. And I think, look, he won't say this, and no one is going to go officially on the record about this, but I do think that, like... There was some level of him, like, I am in the dunk contest, but I'm not in the Rising Stars. Like, I'm some kind of novelty. I'm a basketball player is, like, maybe how he could take that. And, like, look, I mean, he – and and I I, I get it. Like, it, it's – and also, too, like, it – it's still – it's been 20 years now, but – I kind of agree with Stephen A. Smith that LeBron not doing the dunk contest when he was a rookie and refusing to do it kind of made the dunk contest lose its luster. Because up until that point, it was a thing that the star players did. Like, even Kobe did it. Like Dwight did it. Dwight did it. Like, Dwight, Dwight tried to bring it back. Right, like Dwight was like the first superstar player to like do the dunk contest in his prime, and the last guy who was like a superstar at the because like Dame did it. Levine, does, does, oh yeah, Dame. Dame did it. Well, but Dame did it in like his second year in the league. He didn't have the status that he has. Right, he wasn't Dame yet. Donovan Mitchell did it as a rookie. He wasn't Donovan Mitchell yet. The last guy that I can think of that really that did it when he had that kind of status at the time that he did the dunk contest was those couple of times that Paul George did it when he was in Indy. In, like, his yeah, third or fourth right. year in the league when the Pacers had already, like, been to the conference finals and he already kind of had the status that he had with it. But, like, other than that, like, I think Dwight was the last one that was, like, a star at that level that did the dunk contest. Like, forget about Shaden Sharp, who, you know, as much as he would have been incredible in the dunk contest, like, I wish Zion would do it. I wish Ja would do it. Like... Yeah, like there's, I don't know why, like there's why Ja or Zion. I mean, Zion's hurt. I get that. But, that but, I understand. It's probably not a good idea for Zion to do the dunk contest. Yeah, physically. Yeah, but Ja yeah. should. Ja has no reason not to do it. Anthony Edwards has no reason not to do it. Yeah, like you're... and as uh, like I, I don't know. I I feel like I see your point about the LeBron 
thing. And I think I think LeBron might have felt like uh, there's no upside for him doing it because either he wins it and he doesn't get any credit because he's LeBron and he's supposed to win it, or he loses and people clown him for losing. But like when have like it doesn't actually hurt your quote-unquote legacy to not do the dunk contest it's something people talk about as being cool when you do it and you do well in it but it's not like you know anybody's looking at at the end of lebron's career yeah no and I, saying I, oh well he lost you know he lost to zach levine or whoever in the dunk contest this means he's not one of the greatest players of all time that conversation is not happening no, and, and it wouldn't happen if he had just done it. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I don't think it would have ruined his legacy in any way or anything like that. Like, I just think that like there's like the best guy, like the best dunk contest was that Aaron, Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine won. But like, you know, those guys were like starters. They're not. Yeah. They're not. They're not. They're not all stars. They're not and, Mac McClung. They're not or, a G League McClung. guy that got that got signed to a ten day just for the. Or like, yeah, who's you know, going back to the G League, right? Now. Who's, right, yeah. I don't. I if Mac McClung was going to stick in the NBA, he would have stuck in the NBA by now because the team would have signed him for the clout. If he yeah, was, good. He, I mean, what? So I was like out on him after watching him in the Rising Stars game. I was like, I was like, this guy is just, just doesn't really like fit out here. Like I was like, and, and but I was wrong. I I I I I got served by by Mac yeah. McClung. He brought it, it in like, the dunk contest. He was that was one of the we, we talked about it. That was one of the best dunk contests in a while. Dame had a good All Star weekend. I thought. Oh, I thought he had a great All Star. Let's weekend. bring the, bringing this back to Blazer stuff a little bit. I think Dame great All Star weekend. Dame. I mean, every everything about like the way that Dame's All Star weekend went with like he won the he won the three point contest, which is something he said he wanted to do. He uh, wore the Weber State jersey, which is cool because he was playing in Utah. He hit the shot at the end to to you know mercifully put an end to the All Star game. He got picked first. Got picked first. He had a he had a good weekend. I don't know how many other people had good weekends, but he had a good weekend. Yeah, I don't, I I I think he had the best weekend of any of the All Stars because like. Yeah, I mean, he won an event. He got picked first. He had the game-winning shot. I, I think he won the event. Uh, as far as as far as that goes, like Tatum went off and scored fifty-five or whatever, and couldn't. But miss. it's like, does that even like? Can you really like point totals are fake in this game because you can just score as many points as you want. Yeah, and he was just like, he just decided like, I'm gonna be the guy that's gonna do this right now, and and. Also, like they had to play, someone had to do something. Like it was like they had three full yeah. quarters of basketball before the Elam ending, and so uh, Dame Dame was awesome this weekend. I mean, I'm happy that he won the three point shootout. Now he has that with the skills, so he's got a skills and a three point shootout. Uh, I know that, and he's probably never going to try for the dunk contest again. So he's too old. You know, he's too old for that. But hey, uh, I love that he got it, and it was super cool and. I, look, he's still playing at a really high level, and I think if they, you know, they get Nurk back, they get Winslow back, even without Ant, like they've got a fighting chance to make the playoffs still. Like, so, they, they, I, especially as long as Dame is playing, like, like, like as long as Dame is on the court, they've got a shot. So we're recording this on Wednesday morning. A little bit later this afternoon, they're going to have a practice. They're playing in Sacramento tomorrow, so I guess they're getting a practice in or a media availability in or whatever the case may be before they actually fly out, which I assume will be this evening. So 
by the time this is out, there will probably be updates on different guys' health because as soon as we finish recording, I'm going to drive out to the practice facility for that. I think that they are hope. From what I've heard, they are hopeful that Nurkic is going to be back sooner rather than later. Like I don't think they. I I have not. I I got the vibe from some people that I talked to associated with the Blazers in Salt Lake City that like their mindset right now is like, let's see Nurkic get healthy. Let's see them get healthy and see if they can make a run in the next couple of weeks. Like, so I think they think that Nurkic is going to be back soon. Winslow, I actually have no idea about. I'll ask Chauncey about it at practice. So we'll, we'll see. He was doing some light on court stuff before, uh, the, before the all-star break. So I think he might still be a little bit away, but he, I don't think that I I think he might be back soon. Simon's, we haven't gotten a timetable on him yet. I did right. hear that he avoided a high ankle sprain, which is good. That's big. That's and huge. that I would. I think this is just an educated guess. I think it's possible that after you know this first game in Sacramento, I think we it's it's a possibility that it might be like a two to three week situation rather than a four to six week absence like maybe he misses i'm looking at the schedule right now they have in sacramento home against houston at golden state home against new orleans and then a week from friday they go out on that six game road trip i would guess that he i mean i would be shocked if he didn't miss the entire six game road trip so basically misses their next 10 games and then you know from what i heard like this sprain actually wasn't as bad as maybe it looked at the time or that they thought it was and so maybe after that six-game road trip that ends in the middle of March, maybe there's a chance he could come back by then. And at that point, I mean, I've been saying this the whole time, and this is why you and I both in our preseason predictions episode, which we're going to revisit at the end of the season, uh, we both thought they were going to make the playoffs out of the play-in because they're not going to be bad enough, I think, to fall out of the entire play-in race unless they shut Dame down, which I don't think they're going to do unless he legitimately gets hurt. And if they're in the play in, how many people are you taking over Dame in a single elimination game? Not many. And and look, it's 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 tight right now. Uh and I mean, Oklahoma City, they're gonna be in a new if they're in it, they're gonna be totally inexperienced, as great as they are in a playoff, you know, win and get in scenario. That's gonna mm-hmm. be different for them. And experience matters in these games. Like uh Last year, the the Pelicans beating the Spurs, you know, like they had CJ and CJ has been in a zillion of those games and they were able to beat a Spurs team that was really inexperienced, like that didn't know what those games were about. And I I think Minnesota has a little bit of experience, but even, you know, if they play any of these teams right now that are in the top, they're in the bottom four, New Orleans, Minnesota, Golden State, Oklahoma City, Golden State is really the only one that I would say. I don't feel great about, but everyone else, I think Portland could take them. I think Dame is the best player among all those guys. And I think if they can, you know, if, if Jeremy plays well and and they can, if Nurkic comes back and helps the defense a little bit, which like the defensive rebounding has struggled a little bit when Nurkic has been out lately since February 1st, like that has gone down. And, and so for as much of his shortcomings, they need him. And, and I think, like, w- in whatever matchup they play, like, they're going to need Nurk. And 
it's it's kind of well you saw it's kind of an inescapable thing it's 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 this team's like it's been this team's thing for like three years they need nurk to show up well you saw what happened in that wizards game right before the all-star break right that you know drew eubanks is doing the best he can but he's a on a good team he's a 12 to 15 minute a game backup center you put him out there against seven foot three chris Stapp's porzingis there's nothing you can do with him he's just shooting over him it's it's not like there's just nothing it's like being sorry but like being tall in basketball mm-hmm. is still like an important thing with all the small ball shit and all the three-point shooting like being tall is still a massive advantage and, and Nurkic, for all his faults is physically big enough that he could have at least you know gotten in front of porzingis and maybe altered some of those shots or done something to slow him down a little bit without him I mean that to me that's the more so than Simons because like as good as Simons has been for a lot of this year like I think you can you can fill that in you can give Shaden more minutes and trust that he's ready to make a give Jeremy more usage yeah you can you can you can cover up for that more so than like if Nurk is healthy as you know, as inconsistent as he's been, and as frustrating as he's been for a lot of the season, if you have Nurk on the floor for the rest of the season, pretty much, let's just say, I think there's, they have a pretty good chance of staying in the play-in. And if they are in the play-in, like we said, I think that just with Dame being the guy you would want in one of those games, I think they have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs. If Nurk misses extended time or isn't able to come back for whatever reason, they basically have no chance. Yeah. I, I'm I'm totally with that. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, Nurks when he's on the floor, they're just a better team. They they are they 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 have more expected wins. They defend better. They defend way better, in fact. And their offense is really what struggles a little bit when Nurk is on the floor compared to what with Eubanks. Like Eubanks gets in there, the pace is going crazy. They're shooting more threes, and it's it's fun to watch. And Dame is going off with it, but it's harder for them to beat teams that way. Like, and it's like, I mean, I think the Laker, the Laker game is like a perfect example of like the best version of that team. It's like, they shot like an insane amount from three. They took a bunch of them. They played with a fast pace and they won the game because they barely missed any shots. But like, that's not going to happen most nights and you need to do other things. And I think Nurk also Nurk when the game slows down is a major asset because if they get in the half court, they can run that pick and roll and he can set a massive screen and give Dame separation to get his shot off. And Dame can ISO of course, but it just opens up so many more things when Nurk sets the screen, he's rolling the corner three guy could be open. Like it just, it, even though their offensive numbers are worse with Nurk on the court, like I still think in certain scenarios, it's just, it, it, it helps them function in a in a more complete way. And I just think that's what they really need. They need Nurk back. And I think that's that to me is the biggest thing right now. Cause I think Dame is gonna just go keep going what he's doing what he's doing. And he's done this in March before also where he just like helps them stack mm-hmm. up wins when a lot of teams shut it down. A lot of teams are signing 10-day contracts. Like, I mean, Utah, I think, is on the precipice of a big a big backslide. Well, you saw what they did at the deadline. They traded away Conley and Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley. Like, yeah. they, they've traded away basically all their veterans. Now, you can turn around then on the other side and say, 
well, they traded Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and then even to a lesser extent, Bojan. They traded away, like, a lot of their veterans over the offseason and thought they were going to tank and then they haven't. Like, what's to say that's going to not continue? Because obviously Will Hardy is a really good coach and Markinen is playing at an all-star level and Walker Kessler has been, besides Paolo, maybe the best rookie this season. Like, yeah. Like, I... I, I, I'm not, I, I would agree with you. I think that if there was a team in that range that's going to take a huge step back, I think it's going to be Utah, but I'm also not ready to just, like, completely count I mean, they're, they're Yeah, they're, I mean, they, they had a really good bench mm-hmm. with Malik Beasley kind of leading the way for that, and, like, now they've lost that. Like, uh-huh. like I, I'm just, you know, like, they still have to replace that with somebody, and it's just, like, I think those little things do add up, and I also, like, they were a different team with Conley. Like Con- when Conley played, like they were gonna, like most likely they were gonna win the game. You see and that like, with you see that with now. Look at how much better the Timberwolves have been in the week since they made that trade. You replaced D'Angelo Russell with Mike Conley, who a knows how to play with Rudy Gobert because he played with him for several years in Utah, and b like he's is, just a great. He's, he's, he's an underrated all-time point guard. Is an but, adult like, who knows how to run an offense. <laughs> Like that's dude. I wish I wish Memphis had gone for the homecoming though. I I, I said this. I said <laughs> that would have been perfect. Post. I wish Memphis would have gone for the homecoming because that that team needs an adult. Yeah, which has been a thing that's been like talked about. Let me ask you this: like going speaking of the trade deadline, I haven't had you on this program since the trade deadline. Putting aside the GP two stuff, because like we've talked about that forever. I don't really feel like I'm over it. Getting into that again, <laughs> but like. Overall, what did you think of the moves that they made? At the, since I haven't had you on since the deadline, what do you think of you know bringing in Cam Reddish and I think I think the two relevant guys of the deadline, like Kevin Knox hasn't played much. Archie Diakono I think is like an emergency point guard, but Cam Reddish and Matisse Thybul have both started every game since they've been on the team. I'm wondering just kind of your thoughts on bringing them in and what you thought of them so far. I mean, they're definitely the right size to play wing. Like <laughs> yes. that, like, like Josh Hart was playing playing the wing at. 6'5 with not a great wingspan and you know and and, and cam reddish is 6'10 playing small forward now and like that's 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 great and uh-huh. i mean i don't think cam i don't think both of them are going to start if jeremy is back but i do- uh, you know what though i'm very interested to see what chauncey does for this time that simons is out i think there's a chance that they both start still tybal might slide over to the two and Reddish starts at the three. I think it's a little... Swi- and they just start switching everything. I guess so. I kind of I, would I, like I kind of... to... I would like, personally, I would like to see Shaden get the start, but... Honestly, he's been he's been playing better. He's like, put he's, it together he's... the last couple of weeks. He's looked like he's put some things together. Yeah, like, it's not just, like, the wide-open three that he's catching and shooting and making. Like, uh-huh. I mean, he is automatic when the ball gets swung to him, though, and, he, and he's open. Like, that's cash. And... But he's doing a lot more like in between driving, mm-hmm. you know, like using like using a closeout against the defense and just like getting to other shots and kind of diversifying his shot profile. And I've really enjoyed it. And I think, yeah, I, I think they should start him. And I think there's no, there's no reason not to like 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 if it doesn't work, you can always go back to Tybal and and go with him. But if they're going to miss Ant for two or three weeks, like someone's going to have to step up and do more than what they've been doing the whole season. And why not shade it? I keep thinking about the leap that Anthony Edwards made in the second half of his rookie season. He was awful at the beginning of the year, really up and down and like kind of like shade. And he had some spectacular plays where you're like, okay, I see why they took this guy number one overall, 
But it took him until really this post-All-Star break part for him to become consistent. This is, I mean, if there's an opportunity for Shaden to go from, wow, this guy has one amazing dunk every game, but he, you know, is not consistent enough. He has the defensive lapses. This kind of, even before the ant injury, I felt like the trades that they made getting rid of Josh Hart and getting rid of Gary Payton cleared some runway for Shaden. And now with Ant being out, there's an opportunity for Shaden to really, you know, step in and take that. And I mean, look, he's, he is, he didn't play a college season, but, and I'm not making this comparison, but usually when guys are that guy, you see it early. Mm-hmm. And like, I think it would be tight for them to put Shaden out there. Like I'm thinking back to when Tatum was, you know, a rookie going against LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, right. Like it's just and similar also, thing that re- that one was that the role that Tatum had and the minutes that Tatum had early on in his career was opened up by Gordon Hayward breaking his leg five minutes into the Celtics season. Right. Yeah. And then him like all of a sudden he's getting the ball more. He's doing more. He's asked to do more. He has more responsibility. And I think. Shaden has the talent to take that responsibility on. And right now it's not the playoffs, but this is effectively a 24 game playoff now. Because they have to win every single one of these games in order to stay in the mix. They're playing, they're playing the warriors. They've got, you know, teams on their schedule that they have to beat. Like I'm looking at their schedule right now, Sacramento. That's a team that's ahead of them in the standings. Houston, you should win that one. Golden State is a team that's in this mix with you. New Orleans in the mix with you. And then this six-game road trip. Atlanta, who just fired their coach and not very good, but that's a team that could beat you. They have talent on that roster. Yeah, Orlando has Orlando has already beaten Portland once this season. Uh, they're good. De- Detroit, I, they're they a should, good bad team. They're my favorite bad team. I'm just going to extol them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I agree. Detroit they should beat, and then the other three games on the road trip are Boston and Philly, who are two contenders in the East, and then New Orleans again. And then you come home, and you've got the Knicks, the Celtics, and the Clippers. So, like, they ha- these are all games that, like, really the only two that are, like, you should say are, like, gimmies are the one against Houston and the one against Detroit. Other than that, like, you, th- these are this is kind of a tough schedule coming up. I agree. And also, let's talk about, because I think this gets lost a lot in the conversations about the Blazers and how they are and how bad they are or whatever. Right. Like, let's look at the other teams around them and let's let's consider their cases. Okay. I would like to start with, let's go with, we'll start at Phoenix. Okay. Phoenix is probably going to win a lot of games, but they are one injury away from being totally screwed. Do we know when Durant's going to actually play, by the way? We don't. Okay. I think he's supposed to play after the break, but we don't know exactly. Like, okay. and so their defense took a hit. Their perimeter defense took a hit. Can Kevin Durant at this stage in his career guard the best offensive player on the other team every night for 38, 37 minutes mm-hmm. and still be healthy? Like I I'm no, wouldn't be surprised if he has to take games off and, and, and stuff like that coming back from the injury. So they're as great as the, as talented as they are. I would not say that they're just like going to run away with a top, four seed or five seed and just like walk into the playoffs because they lost some key pieces to what made their team, their team, even though their team was very mediocre this season. Uh Um, But they played good defense. Uh, Dallas. 
I mean, Kyrie, Kyrie, LeBron is already uh, romancing the stone over there, like trying to get Kyrie to come. Well, I said this. I said this at the beginning, like right when they traded for Kyrie. It's gonna be like remember, remember when the Nets first traded for Harden, and there were those few games that they played when they had all three of them, and you're just like, oh my god, how is anybody gonna be able to guard this? And then the whole thing fell apart for other reasons. I feel like there are going to be nights like that with Kyrie and Luka where they're unguardable and you're like, this team could win the title. And then just because of, you know, all the other stuff that comes with having Kyrie Irving on your team, plus having Jason Kidd as your head coach, plus like ba- Luka well, maybe and- being unhappy. Like, well, I don't ba- know. And this the basketball thing, bro. They lost Dorian Finney-Smith, who was like, they're perfect. He was the perfect Luka teammate. Mm-hmm. And like... Like, I know that the Josh Green, like, the Josh Green thing is, like, a huge thing. But, like, I don't know, man. Like, I trust I, – I trusted and Luca trusted Dorian Finney-Smith. And I do feel like they're going to miss that a little bit because he was a big part of their identity. He didn't need the ball. Like, and so defensively, what happens to the Mavericks with two dudes that, you know, are not, like, regarded as defensive players? And then, like – like th- that, just the basketball thing alone. Like, how do they play together? Luca loves to play at the top of the key. It's not like with LeBron or KD, where like KD plays at the elbow. LeBron will post up on the block and like do his thing there. Like Luca operates from a big center space, and like, how does Kyrie adjust to that? Like, they have not looked that great in the games that they've played together. So, I have questions about Dallas long term, or like for the rest of this season. I don't. I do not put them automatically in the top six at all. So like, that's another team that could, they are 31 and 29. So they're two games, Portland's two games back, one game back in the loss column. And they tie. They're going to have the tie. They're going to probably have the tiebreaker because Dallas plays in a tougher division with Memphis and uh, New Orleans. Yeah. Portland conference record right now, 20 and 16. So uh, right now Dallas is 23 and 16. So they are better right now in conference, but they are probably going to have some tougher games down the stretch, but they're a team I could totally see this whole thing. I said it when the trade happened, I thought both teams got worse. And I still think that I, I don't think Dallas got better. And so Kyrie, yes, but they didn't add anything. New Orleans Zion is out for a longer period of time. Yeah. That's like changes their whole thing. And they had gone on like, I think they just snapped it like right before the all-star break, but they went on like a nine game losing streak. Yeah. Uh, very recently so they're back in the muck with portland minnesota they're going to be better with mike conley i think that they're going to make the playoffs but sacramento i feel pretty solid about sacramento i feel solid about the clippers they've played great but another team a little bit like phoenix where one injury could kind of totally screw them up like and 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 you never know with Kawhi, like what's going to happen with him and they're those teams are all like very jumbled up with Portland. So I think if Portland can take care of their own business, I think the rest of the West will take care of itself is really the point I'm trying to get to. Here. I hear it's you. Like, yeah, is if they can show up in their own games, I think there's going to be a lot of movement uh, between the four seed and the 10 seed or 11 seed. Right. Yeah. Now. Just because yeah. of how close everyone is. Well, and, we'll and, see. and I don't think those teams are that good. Well, we'll see. We're going to, you know, there's, they start their post all-star schedule tomorrow in Sacramento. And then they've got a couple games at home and then they go on the long road trip. 
And I think by the end of the long road trip, we'll know one way or the other how the season is going to go. If they keep holding water, then they've got a shot. If they completely crater on that road trip, then maybe we're talking about something else. But I think we'll know one way or the other about two weeks from now. So, Eric, we will... I would imagine we'll reconvene at some point in the next couple weeks before the... See, I haven't really figured out the full plan for the podcast post-All-Star. I'm still kind of getting my getting back on my feet after the last couple of weeks between the trade deadline and the trip to Utah and all this stuff. So we'll figure all that out, but you'll, you'll be back on soon. I I'm comfortable saying that, but uh, everybody else, as always subscribe, rate review, YouTube, all the usual stuff, rosegardenreport.com subscribe. Uh, Eric, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Sean. Always a pleasure.